Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. This is Josh. Hey, I am so glad that you've joined me on this episode of Journey Through the Bible. If this is something you enjoy, if you've enjoyed Journey Through the Bible, I encourage you to share it on your social media channels, uh, talk about it with your friends, and uh, check us out. I'm on Facebook um, at JTTB with Joshua Smith. You can find the Journey Through the Bible uh, Facebook page right there. We're also on YouTube. You can find our YouTube channel, Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. That will automatically be uploaded with every new episode that you can do that way if you enjoy YouTube. Uh, we're also on any other any of the other uh, podcast channels that you enjoy listening to your podcasts on. Also, we have some I have some exciting news coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. That'll be announced to you on the Facebook page um, and and other places. So just be on the lookout for that because uh, I'm excited what what God is doing and where we're going with uh, with this podcast and more. I'm so excited for uh, this episode because Ephesians two verse one through ten are just. There, there's verses that just get you excited when you read them because we're going to be talking about how Jesus brings life to dead things. And that's good news for you and I because as we see here, as we're going to see today, those dead things were you and I. And it is the power of Jesus that brings life to our dead hearts. I encourage you to, to listen to this with an open Bible if you're able. Um, if not, that's fine as well. I'm going to read the read the passage here, and I'll read them every time I refer them refer to them as well. Um, but just I just love listening to things with with an open Bible in front of me. I'm one of those note takers. I like to write in the margins of my Bible as well. Uh, so maybe that would be something that would, that would benefit you as well. But Ephesians chapter two, verse one through ten. I'm going to read it here, and then we're going to dive in. It says, "And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked." following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here in these verses in Ephesians, we see this beautiful truth 
that Jesus brings life to dead things. This is furthering the idea of everything that we've talked about in the episodes um, up, up to this point, particularly the episode, the last episode, chapter 1, verse 15 through 23, where we talked about that Jesus holds all power and all authority. And the good news is we have to start with that, understanding that Jesus holds all power and authority in order for us to understand this, that he has the ability to bring life to dead things. This is an exercise of his power that we saw in chapter one. You see salvation, it's a rescue out of a life directed by Satan. It's a, it's a rescue. It is Jesus rescuing us from a life directed by the world and even directed by our own flesh and our own desires. We are his creation. We are his creation. He saves us, as we saw in chapter one. Remember Paul's ode of, of praise, the first, you know, first few verses of Ephesians 1. He just praised God profusely for his salvation and how it is a work of Christ. It's nothing that we can do. But not only does he save us, but Jesus also transforms us. He brings life to dead things. Here in these verses of chapter 2, we see where we were prior to Christ. We see that we were alienated. We were in bondage. We were under condemnation. And what we're going to see throughout this passage is as, as we go along this episode, this beautiful truth that we do not graduate from the gospel. We do not graduate from grace. We don't graduate from the gospel. Here, as we look at these verses, we can see Paul spending the first three verses here describing our pre-Christ nature. And then he ends the passage by contrasting our new nature with who we were before Christ. And so, to start off with, I think it's important for us to understand what nature is. Because we're going to see we Jesus changes our nature. When he makes us alive, when he brings us alive, he changes our nature. Well, what is nature? It, it's the essence of our being. Our nature is not something made up of what we do. It's not something that is made up with what we involve ourselves in. It is the basest, most foundational piece of us, out of which our entire lives flow. I naturally am going to live out of who I am. The decisions that I make, the things that I do, the words that I say, the places that I go, all, all of that comes out of who I am. That is my nature. And so we start off right off the bat with, with verse 1 through 3, that our nature was one where we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. Paul uses these two words, and, and they're more than synonyms. They, 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 there is some differences here, and I think it brings out a beautiful, well, really quite a horrifying truth, if not for the grace of God. right? He says we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. What is Paul saying here? Or trespasses, if you look at that word, this word really indicates our actions, the steps that we take, or rather the, the missteps that we take. Whereas sin speaks to our identity. This speaks to our nature, who we are. Right? We're, and what Paul is saying, we're, we're not sinners because we sin. We're not sinners because we do bad things. Rather, we sin because that's who we are or were prior to Christ. We sin because that's our nature. We sin because by our nature we are sin sinners, thus 
we commit these trespasses. We commit these specific acts of trespassing against the law of God. We can see this in Romans 6 and 12. Paul here in Romans says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. And so we kind of see here an idea, a further idea of what we see here in Ephesians 2, that, that sin is the power behind us committing acts of rebellion against God. This is the power that we were once under prior to Christ. This is the, the, the drive, the driving force behind our lives without Christ is one of sin. We can see this again in Romans 6 and 17. Uh, he says, you were once slaves of sin, but now you've become obedient from the heart. We see Paul contrasting an inner nature here, right? Slaves of sin versus obedient from the heart. And what Paul is getting across here is that this death that he speaks of in which we once were, it's deeper than our actions. It's deeper than what we do. This death was who we were. It was who we were before and without Christ. So we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were slaves of sin. We were under the power of sin and thus committed by our very nature. We're committing these acts of rebellion against God. He continues, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He talks about us walking. Right, this is in in the way in which you once walked. What's the, this this term walk? Right, it's a it's a state of continual being. It's a it's a state of of constant consistency or constancy, if I can if I can say it say it that way. And Paul says this is the way we we, we walked and we followed. Right, he says we followed, which is a word really meaning according to or in unity with, in step with the course of this world, and the prince of the power of the air. Right? So we were dead in our sins. That was who we were by our very nature. We were sinners, and thus we committed these specific trespasses, these acts of rebellion against God. And we, it goes even further. Right? We were dead in our sins, and we followed, we walked, and we followed the course of this world, and the prince of the power of the air, the enemy, Satan himself. That's who we were in bondage to. And not only did we follow his course, but we also lived in the passions of our flesh and the desires of our body and our mind. Man, Paul is painting an extremely bleak picture. See, Paul is taking away uh, really every excuse for us to say, well, we were this, we we were sinners because, right? Every every aspect in which you look at this thing, we were in bondage to Satan, we were in bondage to sin, and we followed the evil one. But it goes even beyond that. It, it he personalizes it and says, "Hey, you you followed your own flesh, you followed your own body and the desires of your own mind. They themselves were evil. You're you yourself. You are." By nature, a sinner and an enemy of God. We, we, we can't get past this. And that's what Paul is trying to get us get across to us. You can look at the book of James, chapter 1, and, and you look at those first few verses, and, and, and James brings up this concept of temptation, and he says we're tempted by the external right pressure of the enemy when that external pressure comes together 
with our own evil desires and our own evil intentions and our own evil motives. And when those two things meet, sin is birthed and death reigns. All right, so Paul is, is removing any excuse for us to say, well, we were sinners because the pressure outside was too great. Right? We were dead because the external sources in my life were too strong for me to withhold or withstand. No, Paul says, you yourself, you followed your own desires and they were evil. You followed your own body and your own mind and your own flesh and it was evil. And so this is, I mean, this is central to the gospel and this is central to us understanding the power of Christ and the necessity of the power of Christ. We we're dead in our sins and trespasses. What, what, what can a dead person do? Right? If you're dead, you can do nothing. You, you can't do anything. You're, you're dead. And this is the state in which we were walking, according to Paul. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses. Pretty bleak, but thankfully... We have the rest of the story, right? Verse four, man, verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He starts off this, this, this beautiful, beautiful contrast by saying, but God, right? Man, where would we be? We would still be dead in our sins, but God. We would still be hopeless and without a future, but God, right? He sets the following passage in direct contrast to the previous three. So we have this first three verses where it's like, man, we were dead. We were sinners. We had no hope. We were following, no matter what we followed, we were wrong. We were following the enemy. We were wrong. We were following ourselves. We were wrong. We were following our own desires. Man, we were, we were wrong, but God. Paul brings this, 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 these two words in to contrast what he's about to say with what we just heard. And the beautiful truth here is that we have a God who loves to intervene in our lives. And this is the beautiful truth of the gospel. We have a God who loves to work on our behalf, who loves to step in and make a difference in our lives. And so we can look at the first three verses and we're like, man, that's bad. That's rough. That's a pretty bleak picture. And yes, indeed it is if that was the whole story. But God, Paul says, is rich in mercy. Right? He says, he, but God being rich in mercy. This is a statement of nature. Whereas our nature was one of sin and trespasses. Our, was, our, our, our nature was one of death and despair. But God's nature, he is rich in mercy. When you think of the word rich, right, come, what comes to mind? Right, rich, it's this statement of overabundance, of boundless. It's not he just he just has just enough mercy to make a difference. No, it's not just, oh, you know, there, there's a limit. No, he is rich in mercy. There is an overabundance. He has an overabundance of mercy, and he wants to show us that mercy. And this statement of nature sets God in contrast to us. Whereas we were dead, enslaved by sin, and incapable of doing good, God himself is rich in mercy. And he wants to show us this mercy. Why? Because of his great love with which he loved us. I mean, and, and, and now we begin to maybe understand a little better why Paul was so elaborate in his praise in chapter 1, verse 3 through 10. Remember that, that, that 
ode, that psalm of praise. Right? Paul was just so, so grand, grand, grand with, his, with his praise. Well, this is why, because he, he got it. He understands, man, who we were, we were dead, but God came and God is rich in mercy. And because of his great love that he loves us with, he came to save us. Paul continues, he says, hey, because of his great love with which he loved us, when we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ. He changes our very nature. See, he, he, he doesn't come to just change us superficially. He doesn't come just to change our, our destination. It, it, it is a change of nature. Whereas I was a person who was dead. I was in my sin. My de- very desires of my heart were evil and set against God. God comes and in his rich mercy and his great love with which he loves us, he changes our very nature. He made us alive together with Christ. And I don't want us to overlook that with Christ. Right, with Christ. And this is this is so central to the message of Ephesians. You've heard it about every episode, and we'll probably say it every time, every episode here on out throughout Ephesians. We cannot get beyond this with Christ or this in Christ. We see this again, Paul speaking to the work of Christ. You see, salvation, it's all about him, and it is all and only through him. And we see this beautiful, beautiful truth that Jesus brings life to dead things. I was dead, but now I am alive. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was without purpose and I was without hope and I was enslaved by my sin, but Jesus came and he set me free and he set me on a path where I now have a future and an eternity with him because of his great love. It's nothing that I have done for myself. It's nothing that I can work towards. It's nothing that I can try and make happen. It is a gift of God. Jesus came and he makes makes us alive together with Christ. And beyond that, not only does he make us alive together in Christ, but he also seated us. (laughs) He seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I can refer back to verse 18 of chapter 1, where Paul prays that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we could see the hope to which he has called us. What is that hope he has called us to? It is eternity. It is eternity with with God. And this important phrase, he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then into verse 7, why did he do that? Well, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The ultimate fulfillment of our salvation will not be realized on this earth. While I am grateful and it is true that we see the blessings and we see the changed lives and the changed nature on the earth, but the ultimate fulfillment of our salvation will only be realized in eternity. And then for eternity, God is going to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You see, we never 
on this side or the other side of eternity, we do not graduate from grace. We do not graduate from the gospel. Thanks be to Jesus. And he has seated us on high with him so that for eternity, we're going to experience the goodness of his grace. There is never going to be a moment in eternity where we're like, well, We've, we've, we've now reached the end. We now understand the fullness of the grace of God. There is never going to be a moment in eternity where we can say, oh, now we understand fully and all facets of the glory and grace and majesty of God. No, we are going to be there experiencing the newness of his grace for eternity. The immeasurable riches is how Paul puts it here in Ephesians, right? It's immeasurable. It cannot be measured. There is no end. There, there, there's never going to be point, point where it's like, oh, yep, that, that, that's it. Man, 10,000 years from now, we're still going to be singing the praises and experiencing the newness and the grandeur and the wonderful majesty of his grace. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? He comes and we were dead. We, we were not worthy. We were not deserving of this. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses. We were walking in direct contradiction to God. We were walking in a way that was in every way displeasing to God. And yet, while we were dead in our sins, while we were dead in our trespasses, and while we were walking in a way that was in direct contrast with him, he came and he saves us. And not only does he save us, but he transforms us. And that transforms us. That's the whole latter half of Ephesians. So we'll get to that. But man, we cannot get past this truth. We, un- we understand who we were, right? We were enemies of God. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. But God being rich in mercy. While we were dead in our sins, he came and he saved us and he makes us alive. Jesus brings life to dead things. We finish out this passage in verse 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Right? Paul wants us to make sure that we, we see the work of Christ in salvation. It's not something that we can work towards. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works, Paul says. We have no, no room to boast. Then verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Salvation is by grace through faith. It is a gift. It's not by works. There's nothing that we can do to be deserving of this life-giving power that Jesus shows us and gives us. There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves worthy. All we can do is receive. All we can do is receive it. All we can do is say, yes, Jesus, I accept the gift of your salvation that you are offering. Jesus, make me alive. It is a work of God. It is a work that only God can perform. I cannot make myself alive. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was dead. I was lost. I was without hope. It is only a gift of Jesus that brings life my dead soul and he does he brings life and it is a gift and it's not by works and we see here in verse 10 it's not by works but it is two works you see this is set in direct contrast to the first verse of chapter 2 that we read 
right? We were dead in our trespasses and our sins, and we were walking in our trespasses and sins. We were following the course of this world, the course of our, our, our own evil desires. We're not saved by works, but we're saved to works. The contrast of verse, of verse 1 and 2 to here. Whereas we were walking in our trespasses, now we are to walk in good works. Whereas our nature of sin was evil, that nature has been replaced by the nature of Christ in us. The nature of sin was replaced by the nature of the righteousness of Christ. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful truth. We were dead. But now he has made us alive together in Christ. Because God was rich in mercy. And he loves us with a great love. And so Jesus brings life to dead things. Maybe you're listening and that moment's never happened for you. Maybe you're listening and you're beginning to feel this, this conviction of the Holy Spirit that you are still in that place where you're dead in your sins and trespasses. Only Jesus can make you alive. Only Jesus can make you alive. It is a gift of God. There's nothing that you can do but say yes. But accept his gracious gift of salvation. So let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you love us. and We're so thankful that you came and that you shed your blood on our behalf. You took the penalty of our sin. You took the judgment of God that was meant for us upon yourself. The wrath of God was poured out upon your shoulders so that we could have life. Lord, we are grateful for this gift. Lord, if there is someone listening that has not accepted this gift, I pray that right now you would speak to their hearts. And Lord, they would come to the saving knowledge Jesus Christ. Help us to walk alive. We are now alive in Christ Jesus, so help us to walk that way. In Jesus' name, amen.